Well, how are you all? Joyous. Merry Christmas. I love you all more than I can ever put into words. And I thank you for being here. Um, we are going to have a candlelight service at the end of the service. We will um, give you all candles and, and we'll have you, uh, the ones that are lit, you already have them, the ones that are, uh, that'll be lit, hold them upright, and the ones that are not lit, just light it that way so you don't drip wax on one another. We will have another song at the end of this message, and then we will be able to just go to our, our homes and celebrate uh, Christmas. Um, this is always a hard time for me, because um, yesterday we, we, we studied through Romans, and we were in the fifth chapter, and we studied verses 1 and 2. But I thought, you know, for Christmas Eve, there'll be some visitors with us. Some of the family members are here. And, and um, you know, uh, there's, I didn't think we'd just stay right in the book of Romans. But I thought I would talk about something, just topically, something about this time of year, something about Christmas. What's up, buddy? You excited for Christmas? Me too. Can't tell you how much I can wait for it. You too, honey? Hi, darling. Hope you have a wonderful Christmas, both of you. And so I thought, what, what could I talk about? Um, and what was overwhelmingly just uh, controlling my thoughts this particular time of the year was what happened in, in Connecticut. And so um, I thought about that. And I've, I've been reading different material, and, and I thought, what would fit? It, would it fit into this, into this message? And so if it doesn't fit, just know that I crammed it in there. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about why do we celebrate Christmas? What's the reason for it? You know, this day can, can bring family and friends together and, and make it a time of, of really thankfulness uh, as we celebrate with, with loved ones. And, and for some, it's, it's wonderful memories. And for others, it's, a, it's sadly a time for sorrow as well. Uh, I called my sister today, as I, uh, I do often now. My, my sister, uh, um, she... She has been married for 50-some, 50 52 years, I believe, and Daryl, her husband, passed away just recently. And so this is her first Christmas to, to uh, spend it without her, without her husband, Daryl. And so I called, and she sent me this, this, this type of a bread that is so, so good. It's, it's almost exactly like our mother used to make. And so Kay will send her the same, and she sends us the same. We just crisscross gives. And I called her as I was having a piece of it this morning. And just wished her a Merry Christmas. And, 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 I, and I, I said, uh, you know, it'll be, uh, uh, I meant to mention Dan and, and Cassie will be over tonight for a bite to eat. But I said, Daryl and Cassie. And I said, oh, I said, you know, I just, I think of your husband so much. And we had a, a nice little cry. And we thought about the, the great memories we have of our family, of our friends, of our loved ones. I was, my, my sister and I were very fortunate. We were raised in a, a very, very uh, loving family. And, and we've, we've, we've been able to really celebrate this time of the year with great, great memories. And so the baby that is called Jesus, the one that was born in the manger some 2,000 years ago, was born for many reasons. But the central, central reason for his birth, of course, are the words that are said of him that we, we read yesterday in Scripture in Matthew if you don't need to have your Bibles. You don't need to open your Bibles here. We just kind of want to talk about uh, Christmas thoughts. But you're more than welcome to if you have your Bibles and want to. We're in Matthew chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. But just listen to the words. Uh, what has taken place was Joseph was married to, to Mary. 
found out she's with child, and, but they had not slept together. So he wanted to put her away. He, he wanted to uh, put her away decently because he knew that child wasn't his. And in that story, that scenario of the birth of Jesus, while he was asleep, Joseph, during a, his sleep, a, an angel appeared to him in a dream. And in verse 20, it's, the angel said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, listen to the next amazing words that come out of the mouth of the angel, explaining to Joseph in his sleep, in this dream. You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who shall save his people from their sins. All of this took place, it, 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 it reads in verse 22, to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, the prophet being Isaiah, in Isaiah the 7th chapter, the 14th verse. And Isaiah proclaimed, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translates to mean God with us. And so in that little scenario, we learn that the angel tells Joseph, Joseph, I want you to name your son Jesus, because it is he who will save his people from their sins. And the prophet Isaiah said of this one born of a virgin, that he shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. And so we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, born in a manger some 2,000 years ago plus, who is the Savior, the Messiah of this world in which we live, of whom John the Baptist was baptizing some people in Bethany in the Jordan River, and, and he was, they were just coming to him in, in great, great numbers. And while they were all crowding around John, he saw Jesus walking towards him, towards the Jordan River. And he said to everyone that was there, Behold, the Lamb of God, He who takes away the sin of this world. And so this one that we celebrate, this, this baby born in a manger, is called God with us. He will take away the sins of this world. He will save his people from their sins. It's an amazing statement about this baby. Every Christmas we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ who reminds us that God, God Almighty is with us who was born for many reasons. But perhaps one of the most important was the one that more than likely you've thought about these past few days, weeks. Most important, he was born so that you and I might comprehend in some way the tremendous tragedy that goes on around us day in and day out that seems to be escalating. Would you not think so? I mean, really, do you not feel that the things are getting just kind of out of control in this world in which we live? What happened in Connecticut was beyond terrible. Anytime we see children harmed, children killed, we shudder and we ask, why? Why? Why in the world? We all saw the president 
shed a tear over the sorrow of this event. Yet, on the other hand, we see our politicians vote to pass a bill that allows thousands, if not millions, of our children to be aborted. None of them shed a tear. What kind of world is this we live in? Tragedies like this, the one in Connecticut, are sadly not new. They've been going on for almost ever. When I read to you just a little while ago about the birth of Jesus Christ, the next chapter, let me read to you what took place. There was a king named Herod. He was intimidated by Jesus because they were claiming he was the king of the Jews. Herod didn't want any competition, you would say. They had some magi, wise men, that were coming looking for the star, trying to find out where he was born, when, and, and, and come and worship him, this baby. They passed through where Herod was, and Herod asked them, listen, when you find him, come and tell me about him. I, I want to go worship him as well. And so when they came, the wise men, the magi, magi came to see Jesus Christ, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph after they departed. In a dream he told them, told Joseph, Get up, take your child and, your mo and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child, note, to destroy him. Further on in that chapter of Matthew, the second chapter, it goes on to sadly report, when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, the Magi, the wise men that visited and saw Jesus, decided not to go back through Herod. They, they kind of ascertained what he wanted to do, so they went back home in another direction. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, it says in verse 16 of Matthew chapter 2, he became enraged. Note, he killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity from two years old and under. All the male children from two years old and under, he had them killed. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the travesty of it all at that time? The sorrow of the massacre of all of those children. Herod did this according, it says, to the time which he had determined from the Magi that Jesus was born. See, he, he thought he'd just make a mass killing and hoping to kill Jesus Christ in the process. He failed because of the dream that Joseph had. They flee, fled to Egypt. It goes on to say in this place in Matthew, the second chapter, that which was spoken of through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. Jeremiah, it says, a voice was heard in Ramah. Ramah was about 10 to 12 miles from Bethlehem. So this radius of about 12 miles, all male children from two years old and under were killed. 
Look what it says. Rachel is weeping for her children. And she refuses to be comforted because they were no more. In other words, they were all killed. <laughs> That's not a very happy event to be talking about on Christmas, is it? Now I bring up this terrible event on this most joyous occasion because I know for most of us what had happened in Connecticut is on our hearts. But it's not something that is new. Things like this have been happening. And because of what had happened in Connecticut, more than likely you have hugged your children or your grandchildren a little tighter this week. Wishing you could put a hedge of protection around them from this day forward, keeping them from harm, watching over them. You know, I personally thought of during this preparing of this message, the times my wife Kay and I fret and worried over our kids. One thing came to mind, just kind of clear as could be. I remember the first time that my, our son, John Mark, took the car and drove off on his own. I remember vividly sitting on the front porch, trying to act cool as he got in the car, trying to figure, it's going to be okay, son. You be careful. Have yourself a good time. Be careful. Be careful. Now be careful. I remember sitting on the porch for at least 15 minutes, maybe more, praying, oh God, watch over him. I did the same thing when Cassie went off. When they turned the corner and took off for the first time driving away in a car on their own. Same thing on their first date, their first, first game, their first hurt. Whatever took place. How many times I wished it was me instead of them. Wishing it was me going through whatever pain, whatever sorrow, whatever hurt they experienced. Wishing I could cover them. Doesn't make my wife and me a hero. Nor does it make us unusual caring for our children. We're, we're simply parents, just like you. When a child hurts, a parent hurts too. And then a parent does what comes naturally. They simply help and care for them best they know how. You know, the moments of comfort and care and guidance that, that you gave to your children. It was a small price to play to see the joy of watching them grow, and if you're old enough to see them have children of their own. One of the most monumental moments in my life happened about a little less than eight years ago. Our son, John Mark, had his son, Dylan. And we were sitting in, uh, in their house and their couch, and Dylan was less than a year old, almost a year, and he was smothering that little kid with kisses. I mean, he used to tell me, Dad, don't kiss me. Dad, don't kiss me. I'm going to kiss you, son. And, and, and he's sitting there smothering this little kid with kisses. And in a little bit, he looked at me and he said, looking down at Dylan and looking back at me, he said, um, Dad, yeah. Now I know how much you love me. Bingo. It was worth every minute. Worth every minute of it. Why do I mention all of this? 
Because if all of it is true, being a parent is a privilege. Bringing comfort to our children and grandchildren is, is what we do. If that's true, then here's the hook. Here's why I said all of this for this. And why are you and I, why are so, we so reluctant to allow our Heavenly Father to comfort us in return? Why do we think that, that He wouldn't want to hear about our problems? Hear about our hurts, about our failures, about our victories, just as we do our own children? Why do we think that He's too busy for us or he doesn't, doesn't have the time right now to comfort us. Why do we think he doesn't want to reach out and wrap his arms around those people in Connecticut? Why do I think so often he's tired of hearing me come with the same old stuff? Did you ever tire of hearing from your son or your daughter or your grandkids? <laughs> Not me. Why would I think he groans when he sees me coming again and again and again? Why don't you and I take him seriously when he says to us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he talks to us as parents. He says, if you then, being evil as a parent, not evil in the term of, of evil parent, but evil in compared to him, his goodness. He says, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those of you who ask? Why do we think he hesitates when we ask him for forgiveness? Why do we think he hesitates when we ask for something that is pressing within our lives? Why do we think he won't do in a heartbeat what we would do for our kids over and over again? He's all that and so much more as a parent than we are. So what do you think that Jesus Christ, this baby that was born in a manger, meant when he grew up to be a man and said in the most amazing sermon that has ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew, again, the same book, the sixth chapter, verses 28 to 33. Listen to our Lord. Listen to what he says to us. He says, for this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life as to what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, nor do they reap. They don't gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he asks a rhetorical question, are you not worth much more than they? course we are. Who of you by being worried can add a single hour to your life? 
Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They don't toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, did not clothe himself like one of these. He goes on to say, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Don't worry then, saying, What will you eat? What will we drink? What shall we wear? He says, For the Gentiles, that means the non-believers, not, not Jew and Gentile, but Gentile always in this context refers to someone who just denies God. He says, even the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. But he says, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Do we think he was teasing us when he said that? Do we think that he meant that at all? And do we think that he is teasing us when he says, seek first. Next verse. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my righteousness. And then he says, and all these things I will add unto you. Is he serious? Can we take him at his word? Would you say that to your kids and not, not knowing that you could uh, follow through? Do anything you can in your power for them? I think all of us would. We have a Heavenly Father who wishes to unconditionally love us. We have a Heavenly Father that, that wants to wrap His arms around us. And those dear people in Connecticut, listen, I would not know, I wouldn't even know how to start a conversation with one of the parents who just lost a child. I heard someone that, who had, I guess some years ago, lost his daughter in, in Columbine, is it? Is that the right word of pronouncing it in Columbine? And they asked him, what would you do since you lost your daughter? What would you say to these, these the parents that just lost their kids? And he said, Oh, they don't need a stranger coming into their home. They don't need me. And he says, if I were to go into their homes, they don't need me to tell them anything. They just need somebody to hug them. Someone to love them and listen to them. Just to be there. I take you to the seriousness of our faith. I take you and me into the very threshold of God Almighty who loves you and me so much. Compared to what, you might ask? Well, compared to a parent with their children. And then even more. He's like a parent on steroids. <laughs> he really knows how to love you. He really knows how to love you. He really knows how to love me. He knows what is best for us. The relationship starts with you having a relationship with him that's more than just every Christmas. I'm, I don't mean to offend anyone who comes only on church once in a while. 
That's okay. I was, I was in that boat for a long time. But I don't mean to offend you, but I, I just want you to know that this thing about Jesus Christ is very, very serious. It's very real and it's very wonderful. It doesn't mean you won't have any trials. I'm certain there's some godly people who had their son or daughter killed in Connecticut. But when you understand all of who he is, and we'd love to try to teach you here at this church what that all means. When you understand all of that, I ask you this question, why do we not allow our Heavenly Father to do for us what we are more than willing to do for our own children? You see, the baby Jesus that was born in a manger cares for you and me. He knows about your sorrows. He also knows about your victories. He grew up. He ended up going to a cross and died for mankind. He did that so that perhaps you and I may never experience the eternal penalty of what death brings. I know that's pretty serious. I've not done a serious service like this much on Christmas. But I think these are serious times we're living in. We just missed the end of the world, didn't we? 20, it was supposed to be 20. <laughs> we made it. <laughs> I had to bring some levity. Listen, I, I want you to know something. Well, for whatever it means, for those of you that are visiting, for whatever it means, I, I love you very much. I know I don't know you. But I do. I don't even know all that means, but I know I love you. And I'd love for you to come to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want to ask you a favor now as the ushers would come forward and let's, we'll have the candlelight part of our service. And then I'll close in prayer as soon as we're through with the song. Uh, we're going to sing it a bit. I wonder if you'd mind, I guess, would it be easier just to stand? Jenny, I didn't do that last service. I wonder if I should have you all stand or not. It's only one song. Why don't you all stand up? <laughs> Listen, when you, get, when you get the candle lit on, the, on each corner of the, of the, of the rows, when, when uh, you go to get your candle lit, don't, don't, dip the, don't tilt the one that's lit. It'll just pour wax on the, the person. Let the one that doesn't have a candle lit light his or hers and yours. I hope that made sense. You know, as we close uh, with one final song, as we're lighting our candles, I want you to reflect on the gift that Jesus Christ given, has given us on Christmas. And that's the gift of eternal life. A light that he says, he is the light of this world. And because of the light that Jesus Christ brings us, and because of his birth, you and I really have the privilege of rejoicing for he is the light that shines forever. I pray that you know him. If you do not, if you've not made a commitment to him, I pray that you'll come back and allow us to talk to you through the Bible, see if it makes sense to you. 
please join us in just going through this song and, and ha having a candle lit. Father, we want to thank you so much for the privilege of gathering together like this. This is a joy to see that people come here like this. And Father, I pray your blessings upon all. I am so thankful, Father, that um, you honored us with the people who are here this evening. And Father, may we, uh, may we all honor you with our, uh, our love of our family and love of our friends and just the love of this time of the year. Father, thank you for your son. And Father, with that, we all say to one another, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. God bless you all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. I love you. God bless you. Merry Christmas.